welcome back to Voices of Change. I'm Celeste Ianbo, your host for today, and we are joined by Gareth Rowe, a research fellow for Cafford and Durham University. Hi, Gareth. Hi, Celeste. Hi, how are you? I'm very well today. Yes, you? Good. I am good too. Thank you. Um, so just to let our listeners know, we will be exploring the profound insights from Pope Francis' latest exhortation, Laudate Deum, and its impact on our shared responsibility to protect our planet. So before we get started, Gareth, could you just tell us a little bit about what does this mean to be a research fellow with Cafford and Durham University? It means, in short, that I've got the best of both worlds. So okay. I work with Cafford, which means I can see all of the great work that Cafford does. I can have uh, access to talk to volunteers. I can have access to talk to the partners in the Global South. Um, I can do all of those sorts of things. But I also work with Durham University with the theology department. And so I get academic supervision from the um, theology department there. Um, and so it's just the best of both worlds. It's all of that academia plus all of that great work that Cafford does. Wow, amazing. That sounds like a very varied role. Um, how how did you get into it? I mean, you must really love reading a lot of books and theological texts. How did you get started? <laughs> yeah, so um, so a bit of backstory. I'm actually a deacon in the Catholic Church. Um, so that started about whoa, six years ago, something like that now. And as part of the diaconate journey, you do a bit of theology. You don't do loads of theology, but you do a bit of theology. And um, one of the teachers of that was was a, a assistant professor at Durham University. And I was I said to him at the time, well, I really like this. I really enjoy this. What are my chances of getting on to do an MA at Durham University? And so we kind of worked through that and they ended up um, spending two years on the MA. And then at the end of that, um, it, it kind of naturally evolved into, into this, this research fellowship. Wow, that's so interesting. Um, so I can see that you're, you're very much fully into sort of the research and now doing the fellowship. I'm going to now ask you a few questions, um, quick fire questions. Don't think too hard about them. Can you tell us? about a saint that inspires you and why? So I'm going to go for John of the Cross, um, Carmelite saint. I'm a, a, a lay Carmelite as well. I won't go into what that means now. But John of the Cross is, is, is something that I think he is going to be really, really useful um, to, to the work I'm doing at, at the moment. He's been reinterpreted by a modern Carmelite called Constance Fitzgerald. And I think um, he offers us hope. He offers us hope in, in, a, in a really distinctive way. But more of that to follow in the project I'm doing at the moment. Okay, that sounds intriguing. I feel like a da 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 as part of that. Um, what is one item that you couldn't live without? So I have a tiny little pen knife on my keyring, and it is literally the most useful thing in the world. It's got all of these little gadgets on. So an example was I was out walking with my four-year-old boy recently, and he stuck his hand on a piece of wood and got a, a splinter in his hand. Ooh. And of course, it's got tweezers on, so I was able to fix it straight away. Hey, why don't I have one of those in my handbag? That sounds really <laughs> super useful. <laughs> if you could eat one food for the rest of your life, what would it be? The confession is it has to be chips. It's all about the chips. I'm from Liverpool. It's all about the chips. <laughs> chunky chips. We're not talking fries. We're talking chunky Absolutely chips. Absolutely not. Big chunky chips chunky fried chips. In, in deep fat fried. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I see it. I agree with you on that one. <laughs> perfect, perfect. So, Gareth, 
let's just get into it then. Um, in terms of La Dalte Deum, first of all, am I pronouncing it correctly? You are. Okay, great, wonderful. <laughs> um, I must say, when the exhortation was announced, there was a flurry of excitement here at Kefod. And uh, many people were like, oh, wow, what's this going to be, part two? And then we saw like a trailer from the Vatican, which was pretty amazing. And it, and it was building up the eagerness to Pope Francis' amazing, like follow-up to his encyclical, La Dalte C. Um, to make it even more special, this was actually released on the feast of St. Francis of Assisi. So can you provide our listeners with an overview of what Pope Francis's latest apostolic exhortation is all about and how does it connect with the earlier work of Laudato Si? Yes, I'll, I'll start, I'll just go back a bit. I'll, I'll start with the connections first, because all of this is, is part of something called Catholic social teaching. And Catholic social teaching has been around for a good while now, which usually dated as 1891 when it first started. And what Catholic social teaching does is it takes um, the treasures of the faith, if you like, the treasures of Catholic teaching, but it applies it to the current social situation. So I think there's really kind of three phases in Catholic social teaching from 1891 until just after the Second World War. It was all about the Industrial Revolution. It was all about how um, workers were treated in the Industrial Revolution. So it was very much within countries. It was looking at labor, it was looking at capital, and it was looking at how workers were treated. Then after the Second World War, uh, the, the Second Vatican Council happens, a big council in the church where lots of things change. And a new phase of Catholic social teaching starts at that point. And this is the international phase. This is all about development. This is all about um, how we work together as countries and, and, and share things fairly. Interestingly, it's around this time that CAFOD starts as well. Slight, CAFOD slightly before, but CAFOD is, is part of this, this kind of expansion. And then that takes us really up to 2009. And then when Pope Francis comes, I think a third a third um, development starts. And this is integral uh, ecology. So here it's widened even further. It's not just taking human beings in. It's taking the other creatures of the planet and indeed the, the planet as a whole. So if you think about the movement of that, it starts quite small and it gets bigger and it gets bigger and, and more expansive. Um, the, the Laudato Si, uh, which came out a few years ago, was um, Pope Francis's encyclical on the environment. Now, that was that was a big, expansive document which talked all about the things that we need to be doing today in terms of the environment. Um, and it, it was a really full, full treatment of the current ecological situation. Laudato Deum is not that. It's been described as an addendum. It's a bit added on to the end of Laudato Si. And why is that? It, it, it's an exhortation. It asks us to do something. It, it says, we've already, we've already given you all of the facts, all of the theology, all of the things you need to know on Laudato Si, but now you need to do something. That's very interesting. And um, so you were saying about this, the exhortation is, is literally telling us now, literally, I've told you what is the problem, what's the situation, now act, go forth and act. Could you just clarify, just for people, the difference then between an encyclical and an exhortation? 
Yeah, so the first of these two was an encyclical, and an encyclical started off as a, a circular letter to the churches. So 2,000 years ago in, in the early church, somebody would write a letter, um, either the Pope or, or somebody else who, who had a kind of leadership role in the church would like, write a circular letter, and that would go round all of the churches and be read by everyone. Um, that's what an encyclical is. That's what the word encyclical means. So in some sense, um, the encyclical, an encyclical is just addressed to Catholics. It's just addressed to people who are within the church, within the conversation. Now, if, um, a few years ago, kind of around the time of the Second World War, um, the, the Pope started addressing them both to the Catholic faithful and to all people of goodwill. So, it, so there's a sense in which they are for everybody, but in some sense, they are still kind of um, more for the people within the church than outside of, of the church. Uh, Laudate Deum is an exhortation. Now, the word exhortation just means, come on, do something. That, that's literally what it means. So um, Laudate Deum is asking us, is saying, look, we really need to do something and we need to do something now. And it's specifically addressed to all people of goodwill. It's not primarily addressed to Catholics. It's addressed to everyone. Actually, yes, because I saw that on the, the on the title at the beginning, it was like to all people of goodwill. And I think that's really beautiful because it just makes people, I guess, turn and think, you know, I think I'm a person of goodwill. What what am I being asked to do here? Um, so I thought that was that's quite lovely to see that. And also the title of it, Laudate Deum, which translates to praise God. Um, and what, do you have any thoughts about that, about the title, about why do you think Pope Francis specifically chose that? Yeah, so there's a bit of a backstory on this as well. There's um, a lot of backstories here, Gareth. <laughs> <laughs> because uh, Laudato Si means praise be, and 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 that's that's a quote from St. Francis of Assisi. And you'll know Pope Francis has chosen his name because of uh, of St. Francis of Assisi. So St. Francis is, is is in a way all about the the environment. Um, he talks of, of uh, Brother Sun and Sister Moon, and he 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 was um, reputed to have preached to all of the creatures he preached to the birds and uh, and so on so so the, all of those things kind of stand behind it but uh, the translation that you've already given is praise god because uh, what's francis saying he's saying how would we praise god today well the way we would praise god is through treating his creation with respect nurturing and loving and and, and caring for his creation and i think once like you delve into it, you know, there's so many beautiful and it seems like common sense points that are made in Adate Deum. Um, and I found, yeah, quite a few things that kind of resonated with me when I had to look at it. But it was interesting when Pope Francis was also saying, like, when human beings claim to take God's place, they become their own worst enemies. And do you think that's that's probably at the heart of, of what um, Laudate Deum is trying to get across and just remembering about who, where who who we are as humans and where we are fitting into everything. Yeah, absolutely. That that again, it's back to the title, isn't it? It's back to praise God. Um, if we don't have a right relationship with our Creator, because our Creator is being being itself, if we don't have a right relationship with our Creator, how can we possibly expect to have a right relationship with creation? Yeah. Absolutely. And I think, did you notice in La Dauta Deum, there's parts of it where Pope Francis is actually speaking a lot about technology. 
Um, so he's he seems to be very, very aware of technology and where it's heading and, and what's happening right now. Um, there's one part where he was talking about um, the natural resources that are used to make technology like lithium and silicon, and that it's not unlimited. Um, but then he also said the greatest, the greater problem is the ideology underlining an obsession to increase human power beyond anything imaginable. What what were your thoughts about that? Um, what do you think Pope Francis was trying to say through that? Yeah, um, Francis has talked a lot about technology. He talks about what he calls the technocratic paradigm. And the technocratic paradigm is, is where we use our resources of, of um, technology, but also kind of money and power backing up that technology to try and fix things. Um, Pope Francis isn't against technology, but he thinks it has to be put in its place. It, it, it has to have the, the right limits. And at the moment, it hasn't got the right limits. We, we've got an idiom in English, the, the tail wagging the dog. And the, there's something really in technology about the tail wagging the dog. Um, we were not just served by technology. Technology kind of takes over and, and we become dependent on it and we lose our freedom. Um, so I think um, Francis is very keen that we we use technology correctly and we, we don't allow it to take over. Yeah. And I think we see that as well, you know, when there's been conversations about AI and recently some of the, the scientists, engineers have been saying, hey, maybe we need to kind of pull back a little bit. Maybe this is going a bit too fast. So actually what they're saying is what Pope Francis has been saying himself. Yeah, absolutely. Do you have a favorite part of the exhortation or was there anything about it particularly that really speaks to you or that you found really quite profound? So, I mean, I think for me, um, it, the, the most Im important part of it is the spiritual part at the, at the end. The document's very different to, to a lot of Catholic social teaching in that it starts with the science and we get all of the science up front. And then we get the politics. He talks about the, the cops and how they haven't been working. It's a much more focused document than you normally see from, from the popes. But then it ends with the spirituality. And I think Francis's um, spirituality is, is, is really important because what, what Francis is always doing is he, he's always... Um, empowering people he never he never tells us what to do he never takes over he never kind of sits on high and and and, and, and orders people about he empowers people and he turns things over to us and and, and he asks us um to play our part and i think that that's that's the the way forward it's it's not it's it, it's back to the technocratic paradigm it's it's not money and power and technology it's people it's ordinary people to play in their part i think that is so true and it is because without the people you wouldn't have the technology and it's it's just like when we talk about being stewards of the earth and all that and so it's like being stewards of the technology too i guess absolutely um how what, how do you think Pope Francis envisions the role then of the Catholic community specifically, including parishes and faith groups, in responding to the urgent message of Laudate Deum? Because it is urgent. He's pretty much saying to us, now, right now, we need to do something. It's already nearly too late. We need to do something right now. 
Absolutely. So um, there's there's a quote from 2015. I, I love from Pope Francis. He said he's talking about um, social social movements and social reality, and he says, "Don't expect a, a recipe from this Pope. Um, he's not going to give us a recipe, but what he's going to do is he's going to inspire us to act. And I think that's what this document is all about. It's an mm. exhortation. It's an it's an inspiration to act. It's a call to act, and it, it's a really urgent call to act. It's no. I mean, you've talked about um, the 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 title and and um, Francis of Assisi. Also, it was um, it was released at the start of the synod in Rome. And that's not a that's oh, yes. not an accident. For those of you who know about about the synod, this fundamentally changes how how the Catholic Church operates. It's more inclusive than it's ever been before. If you look at the pictures on the on the um, Vatican News at the moment, you'll see that. Um, the, the conversations are happening on round tables in the Vatican. So you'll see the Pope and some cardinals and some ordinary people uh, uh, all sitting at a, round at a table together. Oh, you is never that got, different? You never got that in the past. Oh. In the past, it was all very hierarchical. It was more like a university lecture theatre with people sitting in rows. Oh, right. So it's it's much more participatory. So this synodal approach in the church is exactly what he's doing in this document as well. Essentially saying it's down to us, it's down to you and it's down to me. That's the Catholic community. What are you doing in your church? What can you be doing in your church? But it's also down to all people of goodwill as well. I love that. So you've actually made that link then between what's happening in the synod and then with Laudate Deum and Basically, we are all in a synodal sort of situation, sort of process, and it is all of us working together. So people, so we have many people, you know, that volunteer at CAFOD, that support CAFOD. They do a lot within their parish or within their sort of Catholic community groups. Thing We have initiatives as well that we try to speak to people about um, in terms of things like Live Simply, which is a really great sort of program that people can get involved in. Do you think even doing something small grassroots would be responding to the call of Laudate Deum. Absolutely. Never, never underestimate the power of, of, of small things. Um, again, Pope, Pope Francis, he uses a quote from Edith Stein, the, the, the Carmelite uh, nun who was uh, murdered in Auschwitz um, in, in the Second World War. But she talks about how history is determined by people you've never heard of, ordinary people who you've never heard of. Um, and, uh, and that's the way forward, really. Everybody's got the part to play. Don't ever be afraid that your part is too small. You need to be doing what you can do uh, in your situation. Totally. Um, is there anything that surprised you from reading Laudate Deum? I think I was surprised by how short it was and how focused it was on the science mm -hmm. and on the politics. That's not happened before. There's kind of levels of Catholic social teaching. Everyone thinks it's just about the documents from the Pope, but there's actually documents from bishops' conferences as well. And there's that they tend to be more specific and more focused on a particular issue. So they'll be focused on debt or they'll be focused on the elections that are happening in a particular country. And they really they ask people to kind of really think about 
about a, a focused issue. And to me, uh, Laudate Deum feels more like one of those bishop conferences documents. It's saying this is a really specific issue. This is a really important issue. And we need to focus on this now. And I was wondering then in terms of Catholic social teaching, to anybody actually who doesn't know actually so much about it, how would you summarize it? So it's, it's, it's the response of the church to a current situation is the short way to put that. The church has got 2,000 years of um, theology and experience and pastoral care of people. Um, but how do you apply that to a specific situation? How did the, how was it applied to the Industrial Revolution and the plight of workers? How was it applied to international development? And now how is it being applied to our relationship with other creatures on the planet? In terms of theology um, and encyclicals and exhortations, it can seem sometimes like where where would you start? to even understand it where where would where do you even start and then you see words in latin and perhaps if you're not really familiar with latin um it may you may feel a bit nervous what what would you say to people like that who want to access theology learn more about pope francis's writings and previous popes and other thinkers in the catholic church would you have maybe two or three tips of how people can kind of learn a bit more yeah yeah if you if you want if you want to learn about um, Pope Francis, I would he, he's he's written a short book a couple of years ago called Let Us Dream. It's really accessible. It's an absolutely lovely book, but it but it kind of summarizes really a lot of Pope Francis's thought in a really accessible way. So start with that book. That would be a great thing um, to to read. If you want to look at an actual kind of papal document on the Vatican website, in two if you if you um, Google the speech to popular movements, speech to popular movements from 2015. It's a kind of two page document, which I think sums up everything Francis wants to say just about in a, in a couple of pages. It's not really focused on the environment, but it's focused on 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 what we've talked about today, about about how uh, individuals and groups can can take action and, and can help. So they would be two very specific places to start. Don't worry about the Latin, ignore the Latin. I've got almost no Latin and I've managed to get by. Just whatever language you speak, stick yeah. to that and, and, and look for the translation. Um, the Vatican website, if you just put VA at the at, in any Google search you do, it'll take you to the Vatican website. And, and all of these documents are in most of the major languages. If your first language is Spanish, if it's Italian, if it's English, if it's German, that it will be um, translated into your language. So don't worry about the Latin. So do you actually, in your quiet time, just really also enjoy just flicking through, you know, all those, the papers, the papal bulls and all these things that are available. Do you enjoy kind of going through them? Because actually a lot of people do, because it's very, very interesting. Actually, once you get kind of stuck into it and you really understand what's being said, 
certainly the Catholic social teaching since 1891. You don't have to do a, a history degree or a history A-level. You can just read that because you, you really read the history of the 20th century and beyond in those documents. When you see what the popes are responded to, it's got communism in there, it's got capitalism in there, it's got the, the Second World War in there, it's got all of the things that happened in the, in the 20th century and the response of the church to those things. So it's fascinating on that kind of historical level level um but my main interest is is theology and obviously it's fascinating on a theology level as well and that real practical application people think theology is an ivory tower it's really not read these documents and you'll see it's it's absolutely applied to the current situation i think that's an amazing point because it's true it's like it's not just writings you can apply it to the world you're living in into the life that you're living in too um is there a way that you would suggest that how people can make theology come alive in their life? Talk about it would be one of the things. So um, find some, find somebody else who's interested. There must be somebody in the church in your, in your local parish who's interested in theology. Start a group. Don't have to do anything um, and fancy. Start a reading group. Um, get Let Us Dream and get a couple of friends and sit around and have a coffee and read that book and discuss it. I think that's a perfect start to it actually, because that sounds good. Have the fellowship, everyone sit down together, you know, read the book. It, it could be a theological book club. You could start a theological book club with your friends and, you know, your parishioners next to you and, yeah, have a coffee and, and discuss. What is the most obscure yet fascinating piece of theological text that you've read so far? Oh, so that's a difficult question, isn't it? Um, one uh, so, so Pope Francis... Um, has is kind of um, semi-famous for not writing a PhD. So everybody else who's written one tends to be famous for writing the PhD. Francis started one and never wrote it, but it's the most influential PhD that's never been written. Wow. Uh, because, because you can really see, when you follow his thought through, you can see... You can trace it back to the PhD he never wrote and, and the things he was looking at. So the main um, person he was talking about was, was a priest from the early part of the 20th century called Romano Gardini. And he was a really, really influential um, person. He, he was influential because he, he influenced other people. So he influenced people like St. John Paul II. And obviously he's influenced the current pope. And lots and lots of other people within the Catholic context as well. So it's not that he did anything directly, but his influence as a teacher and as a thinker on other people is enormous. He wrote a, a book called The End of the Modern World. Um, and it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a really easy read. So if anybody fancies it, you can just pick it up and read it. But it's a really challenging book as well. It really forces you to think about the current situation we're in, its historical roots um, and, and the effect on human human beings um, of the current situation that we're in. So if you want some something challenging and obscure, I would say Romano Gardini, The End of the Modern World. Hey, loving all your recommendations. I think everyone's out there making notes, getting the old uh, Google out. Um, so obviously we're going to be learning a lot now. I feel we can learn by looking at theological texts, looking at the exhortation that's just come out. Is there something that you've always wanted to learn that you haven't had a chance to yet? 
<laughs> so I'm going to say the Welsh language. So um, I was brought up in, in Liverpool. We had a lot of holidays in North Wales okay. when I was a child. And it was my first exposure to actually real, actual real people who spoke a language that that wasn't English. And I, I just think it's, an, it's amazing. And I, w I would love to have the time and to, 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 to really explore um, Welsh. And then... Um, the Welsh are famous for the poets as well, and 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 uh, I, mm -hmm. I used to I used to be an English teacher at a, another point in my life, and I've I've got an absolute love for poetry, and I have some Welsh poetry in translation. And how much would I love to be able to read that in its original language? Oh wow! So is that something that you will plan to do one Definitely. day? Definitely a retirement project. I, I've I've done a bit of it on Duolingo, but it's just finding the time to do it when you've got lots of other things on. That's it. That's it. No, but that sounds amazing to be able to, yeah, to learn another language, speak another language, and as you say, translate the poetry. So, do you have a favorite poem? It's not really a favorite poem. It's a favorite poet. So, there's a, a Welsh poet called Gwenelt Jones, um, and he was writing in in the the kind of mid. 20th century and he, he really takes religious themes he's, he's a calvinist he's a, a calvinistic methodist um so so quite far away really in his theology from the catholic church but uh, he, he writes with such power such absolute power and when you read his poems you you just you want to get out there you want to do something it's 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 kind of exhortation in poetry Wow. Okay. So that's one to add to the list then to look out for as well, for sure. Wow. Thank you, Gareth, so much. Thank you for sharing your profound insights and reflections on the Doubte Deum. Um, I think you've helped us all to understand a little bit more about what it's about, why it's come about. Um, and it's really clear that this exhortation carries a powerful message for all of us, emphasizing the importance for caring for our common home standing against environmental injustice. So we really hope our listeners have found inspiration and guidance in today's conversation. Thank you. Thank you. And to all our listeners, thank you so much for joining us on this journey of faith, reflection and action. If you'd like to hear more thought-provoking discussions like today's, please make sure you do subscribe to Voices of Change and stay tuned for our upcoming episodes. Until next time, take care and keep making a positive impact in the world.